The story of Wyatt Earp is the story of a young America. Passionate. Adventurous. Dangerous. Nothing counts so much as blood. The rest are just strangers. Kevin Costner, Dennis Quaid, Gene Hackman, Wyatt Earp, a Lawrence Kasdan film, rated PG-13, starts Friday, June 24th at a theater near you. Welcome back to Reconcinimation, everybody. I'm John Diner. And I'm David Munchak. And this is the podcast where we take a look back at some of our favorite films from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We're checking out how they hold up in today's crazy world. Uh, and this week, we are looking at the Western Wyatt Earp. Wyatt Earp. This is a person. Wyatt. And a movie. A person and a movie. You're correct. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, you know, before we get to that, we, uh, you know, we've had, we've had a good summer this year or spring, I guess we've had a, we've had a nice uh, run of interesting episodes. If you guys want to check out any of those, uh, feel free to go to www.reconcinimation.com. We've got, what do we had, David? We've had a uh, look back at Ken films with E.K. Wimmer, right? Sure. Yeah. That was classic. Um, we had, yeah. we had, uh, what do you call it? The one, the, the golfing movie? Avenging Force. Avenging Force. Do we have a golfing yeah. movie in there somewhere? Is that? We've got uh, Caddyshack yeah, in there. That's We've the got one. Towering Inferno. Towering Inferno, sure. But yeah, so uh, make sure you guys, if you haven't heard those episodes, go back and check them out. They're a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Of course, we've had uh, uh, our friend Brent on uh, more regularly, which has uh, been pretty cool. But uh, today, it's it's the OGs. It's you and I. Yeah, classic reconcinimation config. Classic. Classic. Recon config. Reconfiguration. <laughs> when Brent's on, it's a reconfiguration. Uh, All right, sorry. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Wyatt Earp. We've got, is this our first epic film? Yeah, epic epic size. Yeah. I mean, epic sized in time and scope. I mean, we've yeah we've covered some pretty epic things though. Independence Day, one of them. Uh, Predator. Oh yeah. I mean, these were yeah. epics, but th- this is more yeah. epic in the <laughs> classic sense, like a right a a, a, myth- a mythological tale of of a, of a larger than life figure. Different kind of epic, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess this is yeah, like the this is up there with your Lawrence of Arabia's, your Ben Hur. Is that is that a long movie? Your, yeah. <laughs> is that an epic? Uh, ben Hur. Yeah. Ten Commandments. <laughs> Ten your, Commandments. Um, <laughs> your Heaven's Gate. Heaven's your Gate. Apocalypse Now. Mm. Mm. Epic. Epic. Huge in scope. So this one is uh, one of those, yeah. White and it is uh, it is a it's a lengthy movie, and I actually own the extended director's cut edition, which is even longer. Zoinks! How what's the running time on that? <laughs> uh, I think it's another fifteen minutes on that. Oh. So it's you know it's it's long it's long. What? But I you know I I'm a big fan of this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, 
Well, you're. I saw it. Go ahead. No, no, I was... no, you got it. I was gonna say you're a you're you do enjoy a good western, right? But I do, and uh, you know I'm in the minority of uh, being a fan of this one. I, I know so many people are just you know not not on board with it, not on board with the style and the pacing and the mm. um, you know, and of course we'll get into it later comparing it to uh, the, you know the Tombstone versus Wyatt Earp argument and and where where those stand but mm-hmm. I, i'm fine like with this pacing like I, I can i can hang in there but um what about you when was uh was this the first time was this your first view- viewing of it yeah i hadn't seen this before i i I'm always aware of it since the the early 90s when it came out or you know 94 right um yeah but uh i i was not one to watch westerns so it was just sort of like oh it's one of those okay and i just wasn't it was never really going to be something i was going to watch but do you uh, yeah go ahead but uh, you know uh the, for for this i was kind of ex- for the show i was excited to get into it because i the cat there's such a huge cast and great and such a great lead cast that um you know i was looking i was really looking forward to to digging into this one but uh yeah do you remember like roughly when it came out was there like did you ever hear anything about it did you hear people not liking it was it it was you know what was the do you remember what the word on the street was um i probably i probably had seen a lot the comparisons being made and you know knowing tombstone was more successful and really but i don't i don't even think i knew anyone who had seen it none none of my peer group i i think had seen it yeah um yeah so the general talk is just sort of like, oh, Tombstone was the better movie that year or this year, uh, because it's a little more Hollywood and 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 did better box office. But um, I just, yeah, I always considered this like the, you know, the Pepsi to to the, the Coca Cola's Tombstone, you know, um, yeah, or the, yeah. the Burger King Fair. to the McDonald's, as you were. <laughs> the Reebok to the I am um, Nike <laughs> to Reebok to the Nike. There you go. <laughs> or is it the the Br- the British Knights to the Nike? <laughs> British Knights get some BKs on. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I saw this movie three times in the theater. I loved it in a row. I was <laughs> no, <sorry>. well, <laughs> not, not successively. Okay. But, um. Yeah, I saw it. Uh, I think the first time I saw it, I was out here in California visiting my uh, my uncle on my my yearly trip, and uh, it was just. My, I think my aunt was like taking me around town, and we went. We would we saw a lot of movies uh, when I would come out here, and um, and this was one. And it was. I think it was between this and Forrest Gump, and I mm. was just more. In, I was always more into westerns, so yeah. My vote was for this one. We did end up seeing Forrest Gump, but uh, I was just all in on this one. I think something about me at that age, I could, I felt like in a way I could identify with Wyatt, Wyatt's like emotional isolation. Because hmm. I was, go, I remember at the time I was like going through a thing with some of my friends, and it was like I had had a falling out with one of my really good friends, and it was like, I felt very like separated from my friends and, and family and just felt very, you know, just distant from people. So I kind of like, I felt like I connected with him after, 
especially once he becomes a lawman mm-hmm. with that kind of mentality, you know? Hmm. Yeah. It, um, hmm. Yeah. Well, you're the perfect age, right? Like 14 years old going through, you know, right. The, you know, new emotional things, new relationship things, uh, and navigating that and not quite knowing where you fit into anything. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then holding on to like whatever, some core tenants that, that keep you alive <laughs> just like he did, yeah. you know, like that makes a lot of sense. I could see this resonating with, and you know, it's got, it's, 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 he's, he's a mythic kind of guy, you know, like he's a legend on its own. So, and you're sort of seeing a real, uh, deep dive, you know, you're with him as a child, as a, oh, yeah, a yeah. teen all the way through. Uh, his retirement. <laughs> so, yeah, I I mean after right after we saw it, I went and bought the. Uh, they had you know a nice like book of the screenplay, so I bought that and I got the soundtrack and was just blasting that and I was I was very very into it. But um, oh, very cool. And like yeah, the same thing. The the cast is so you know the cast is great in this movie. But it wasn't until I think I think uh, I can't remember if it was the second or third time I saw it. I had dragged some of my friends out and then I felt their reaction to it and that they were just really not into it and, uh. and not moved. And I was like, Oh, I guess people aren't liking this movie. I feel like I'm the only one. <laughs> <laughs> I can see, I can see why people don't like it or at least don't care for s- certain ways. How this, this film was made. <laughs> like the final product is, is a little, Cause for me, it is like a little long, like I'm a little, not, I wouldn't say I was bored necessarily, but I felt, mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like it's a little, uh, it's a little chunky. Like there's just a lot of different things going on. It feels like that. I don't know. Like it's, it, we, we, we'll get into it, but I, I feel like it's not quite a cohesive story, like a solid arc for him for, for yeah you know but i think there, there's so much he's in the entire film like he's in almost every scene so i mean he does have he does have arcs and he does have good development and he's and he is very interesting um but i mean there's just there's just this is just like big scope and it seems kind of not that i don't think it meanders but i feel like it's uh it's trying to do a lot but without being really like tight in what it's trying to say there's a lot of things to say i guess so. Yeah, there's. Uh, this is a really, I think it's a really difficult subject to tackle. I mean, Wyatt Earp did a lot. I mean, if you if you I, I you know if you look into the actual you know person Wyatt Earp, he was all over the place with all different jobs and um, just constantly on the move. A lot of characters in and out. A lot of like political maneuverings. Um, you know, as he moves to different areas and then he's a you know assistant assist, uh, assistant you know sheriff and then deputy sheriff and marshal and what all those things mean and you know he would it's like he wasn't in one place for more than a few months it seems like but yeah. so so in in trying to translate that to a film that is it's tough i mean it it makes sense that tombstone kind of honed in on just that part of his life and really zeroed in on that. Whereas this is like, it's a biopic. I mean, you know, they're, they're trying to tell this guy's entire life story. So, but it's complicated to jam all that into even three hours, which is, and it's funny because that wasn't even the original intention for this. 
<laughs> right. This is um, this you was... know the backstory of like where 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 the script came and the idea came from. I I I I'm only know that it was supposed to be like a TV miniseries, like six hours long. So giving right. giving it that, that time to breathe. That was the original intent of of the project. So, uh, but I don't really know like why it didn't go forward or why it became a Hollywood film or anything like that. Well, this was a um, a you know pet project for obviously for Kevin Costner. Uh, this was kind of his baby from the beginning, and and obviously Costner is at his best when he's doing either westerns or sports movies. <laughs> so, um, you know, I think he had this idea in mind for quite some time, especially after Silverado is a hit and his career is up and going and. And, you know, his movies, he, he was in a lot of big movies in the, you know, throughout the late 80s and into the early 90s. And once, you know, once, because uh, what, Dances with Wolves and Robin Hood were like back to back for him, right? 90, 91, something yeah. like that. Yeah, I think, yeah, 90 for Dances and 91 for Robin Hood, for sure. So once, you know, especially once Dances wins all those Oscars, he was a major power player. I mean, all, all the way from after Untouchables through Robin Hood, you know, he's really one of the top guys in the, in the business as mm-hmm. far as money goes. I mean, his movies are all hits and they're all, you know, getting bigger and bigger. And then I, I think, you know, as he got... So, you know, once an actor or a celebrity makes it to a certain level, then they have a lot of say in what projects they're going to do. And if they have a project that they're personally involved in and they're developing that maybe normally a studio wouldn't go for, well, now if that person wants to do it, it's going to be much more likely they're going to get it through, Uh which is what happened here. Oh. So, you know, Costner's got hit after hit after hit, and he's got this, hey, I've got Wyatt Earp that I want to do, and I want to make it you know, basically do it in the style of Dances with Wolves. I mean, it feels like a complete companion piece for that, don't don't you think? I think so, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it it feels, to me at least, it feels the same, it looks the same. It's, um, I mean, if you watched them back to back, that's like an entire day right there, but... (laughs) I'm going to come uh, clean and say I've never seen Dances with Wolves. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so that's why i was like yep all right well <laughs> i haven't seen dance with wolves in years and years so we'll we'll uh maybe we'll, one day we'll have to uh check that out yeah but, we'll we'll take an afternoon um, and we'll, we'll watch it yeah and just for fun we'll just rewatch Wyatt Earp again after it i know you'd love it <laughs> <laughs> uh but the you know the intention was you know at first to to do a a six-part miniseries and I don't even know what network it was going to air on or, or what, but that was he wanted to make the Godfather of the West, hmm. and the original uh, the original version, the original script had a lot more characters involved in Tombstone and political maneuverings, and which of course, of course, the real White Earp was very involved with. Um, not that he was a politician, but he was involved w- politically in a lot of political situations and and power plays and power struggles. So, which uh, you know that idea kind of melted away in what we see here in um, in White Earp. But he was working with uh, a writer named Kevin Kevin Jar. Do you know how to pronounce that name, Kevin Jar A Jar? Uh, I'm not sure. I thought it might be Jari or Jar Jar A, uh, but uh, I don't know. 
Okay, so either way, they're working together and uh, developing a script. And I think it's around 91, 90, 91, so right after Dances with Wolves when, when this is going on. And and um, as it develops, I think they're kind of, their idea was kind of morphing into two separate ideas. So they agree to split, uh, and Kevin Jare ends up going to make Tombstone, what would become Tombstone. Ah, so in a weird way, like Costner was involved in the beginning, the early days of Tombstone. Huh. It's his fault. Yeah. It's his fault. Yeah, it's his fault. He made the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and then once they separated, he kind of reconnected with Lawrence Kasdan, or Kasdan, who he had worked with uh, on The Big Chill ever so briefly, and uh, Silverado. Mm-hmm. So they already had kind of a working relationship, and and I think you know Kasdan was really uh, jazzed about the idea, and of course Kasdan's an, an amazing screenwriter with uh, the Empire Strikes Back, and just so many so many great scripts that he wrote over the years. Yeah, a lot of talent involved here at the at the beginning. Yeah, to really make this. Yeah, thing. yeah. So you know, and then the two of them began reshaping, and and I know there there's a lot of if you look into it, there's a lot of you know backstage drama between all of these guys and what the original version was and what the intention was and um, you know the version that Wyatt Earp became mm-hmm. and uh, and they're very Wyatt Earp and Tombstone are very very different movies and very different portrayals of the same thing. Mm-hmm. A similar, what, the, um, the, the pivotal event of the, the gunfight at the OK Corral was the the pivotal moment for both. But this, right. it's, but it's almost a, it's just it's it's among a million other pivotal moments in Wyatt Earp where it is it's like the climax of Tombstone, isn't it? Yeah, you know, yeah, that's that's the uh, crux of Tombstone uh, yeah. because they skip. I mean, everything prior to that, they skip all of the Dodge City stuff and his whole you know first first marriage and. And, you know, some of the characters are even downplayed. Like in Tombstone, the women barely have any kind of participation. And even in Wyatt Earp, it feels like with the caliber of actresses that are in this movie, that there must have been more that got cut out. Yeah, probably. I would think so. Because it seems, I mean, the women seem to... they get the women seem more fleshed out than like his brothers half the time. <laughs> like, but there's probably a lot there. I don't know. Not, not maybe not fleshed out, but like, they're very distinct. And I think, I mean, it, and it may just be the calibers of the the caliber of the actresses. Like, I think they all did really well. Um, but uh, yeah, there's like, I, I, I'm interested to go back and see Tombstone. I haven't seen it in a couple years. But I, I didn't I didn't. It's funny because it I just watched it a few months ago. Like coincidentally, I had I had recently watched it. So oh, really? uh, the the they're fresh. They're both fresh in my my mind. So, yeah, I, I should have I should have popped it in. I don't, not that I own it, but I should, I should have tried to, to watch it. Well, I got it. You can borrow it. OK, I'm, I probably won't. but yeah Wyatt Earp so I mean Wyatt Earp was all over the place and he you know uh, the the thing about the thing about this movie is this is I think without argument this is the most accurate portrayal on film of Wyatt Earp and his and his life Mm -hmm. I don't think whether you love the movie hate the movie 
I think most people are in agreement that that and that might be even its flaw that he's trying to be too too much uh, you know on the nose with what happened to Wyatt Earp without being you know entertaining enough. Yeah, all these biographical elements happen, but maybe not all of these things are. I don't know, cinematic enough to, to hold a, hold someone's attention or interest. So, um, you know, accuracy for accuracy's sake, um, may, may, yeah, might be part of the flaw, but I mean, it's a gorgeous movie. You could tell a lot of just so much money is behind it with a lot of the, the stuff like the, and just like the, the ancillary stuff. I mean, like all the, like the towns are, they do feel different, you know, that he's in the, the, Mm -hmm. the railroad assembly, uh, that they just they want to remind you like this is how they were doing the railroad that the, I don't know it's kind of it's unnecessary but it but it really paints a picture of the world um yeah you know i think that was really there was definitely yeah like a lot of juice behind this thing you can tell um so it was just like going big that's the thing it's like everything's a big moment everything's yeah. a big and i mean <laughs> and it starts with gene hackman in the beginning like chasing his son down oh hack hack the hack is back hack baby hack is back this we couldn't we couldn't <laughs> it would be unfair to include it as a, a in part of a hackathon cuz he's not really he's he's just there in two pivotal moments of young wyatt's life but um yeah. it's not he's so he's he's really a side character <laughs> or, or at least a supporting character that we don't see much right. of so it's always thank goodness he was there um you know he when hack speaks you listen and that's what <laughs> that's what why damn was right about that <laughs> <laughs> but i mean it's like there's this like it reminded me a little bit of like uh spielberg's lincoln in a sense of like from the opening mm-hmm. scene we're going to tell you some amazing important shit is 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 uh, about to be told like this story is epic and these are the beginnings because my biggest I mean Lincoln has its its own uh, uh, interesting flaws and 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 stuff but I just hate that opening scene where the the, the black union soldier is quoting the Gettysburg address and walking away from President Lincoln and it's the cheesiest dumbest thing I've ever seen I, like, it was like a parody of uh, of a Spielberg movie <laughs> in a sense. Yeah. But it was just Spielberg doing his thing. Like update, you know, just, and like the, I felt like there were moments of that in this epic film, like, like somehow trying too hard is, can be noticed. And I feel like there mm-hmm. are a lot of those. Well, at least enough of those. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I hear what you're saying. Yeah. But I'm, I mean, I don't, I'm not saying it like makes the movie worse, but Sometimes you're just you notice these things and you're not as engaged in it in the story or you're taken out a little bit. So I can see why like people might complain a bit or just you know this isn't for me. This is not the kind of story I want to be told or I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. It's ambitious. Yeah, it's funny because I just I could I, I was so into the movie right away that I I could never for a long time I just couldn't understand why people weren't why they what they what was it that they didn't like? Like to me, it wasn't too slow. Like I'm okay with like these climactic moments and then kind of coming down and then building to a climax and then, you know, which happens over and over in this movie. But now, now as I'm, you know, older and more, more, a little more worldly in my, my film views, uh, I can understand. Yeah. But 
you know, because right away, like you get you you feel how large the movie is and how beautiful it is. You know, you've got your first your opening kind of almost like a prologue as they're getting ready for the uh, the gunfight at the OK Corral. And then it goes back to Wyatt's youth. Oh, right, right. And then you see that that Iowa farmland and like, oh, this is this is one of those movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a great um, it's a great way to like frame it like like why we're why we're here is you know for for Wyatt Earp but then yeah that I for, I actually forgot about the opening so like because I think I said the opening stuff with Gene Hackman that's uh that's not that's not quite the opening of the movie but um uh it's certainly the early well yeah but basically it is I mean you've got like a one minute scene and then you get into like you know, 95% of the Hackman stuff. Yeah. I mean, he's only Hackman's only in the movie for like 10 minutes. Yeah. A, a hackier director would have, have like had him there sipping his coffee in silence and then like zoom in on his, on his eyes and then like fade to the, the Iowa cornfield. <laughs> you mean like, you mean, you mean like private Ryan? Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. Oh, did I just call Spielberg a hacky director? <laughs> hey, private Ryan is pretty great. <laughs> I love, yeah, I know. I love Private Ryan, <laughs> but the yeah the the <laughs> things the things the the schmaltzy and cheesy things that hook you, uh, maybe not not so don't age so well when you're older and more cynical. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but uh, you get you know you get that that beautiful Owen Roisman cinematography right away, and you feel like the the scale of the production design, and then you've got the James Newton Howard score, which I I still love. Like it's one of my favorite scores. I think it's just absolutely beautiful. But mm-hmm. you know all that combined, this this, this is a massive movie. <laughs> it's huge. It's huge. Yeah. Uh, but where do, um, where do yeah, we... and I, I go ahead. I think you know people have issues with the beginning of the movie and that kind of added on extra ending of the movie. I, th- I think that's you know breaking it down a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think it, it, it seems like those were a big you know problem. Like if you had cut out the whole young Wyatt portion, which is probably twenty twenty five minutes, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, something like that. And and then you cut out that extra kind of flashback ending when they're on the crew. You know, he's older and on that that cruise ship to Alaska. Yeah, um, and which is another probably five minutes there. That's that's like a half hour of the movie you're cutting out. <laughs> that could have made a huge difference. I I uh, yeah, I think you're right. I think I think I like what the flashback's trying to do. I think I think we could all appreciate the point of it. But yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's a, after seeing how he is treated citizens and criminals and prisoners and women and all these we don't need another example of his character to be like it's just sort of like oh yeah this is not unexpected it'd be different if that scene was like maybe against type and a little more revealing of of who he is that that we never really saw maybe we got a glimpse of but mm-hmm. it's just like another part of the movie like it could have that could have you could have yeah. just inserted that scene in the middle of any in any part of that movie while he's you know there doing his thing and you wouldn't even have to have the the dude like telling the story later it's just so yeah it's 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 a little it's a little too useless yeah you're right it's just a little too fluffy if it had an epic kind of sort of twi- like not twist but like just revealed more then it would work better um than intended 
Well, I think part of the problem is is maybe Costner and Kasdan were a little too in love with the material because you mm-hmm. could, I mean, you could tell stor- story after story after story of those little, you know, interactions that Wyatt had and all his arrests and, you know, it's like they're in love with each one and they wanted to just cram yet another one. It's like, oh, remember, but this was who Wyatt really was. It's like, okay, well, we just saw that. Right. So you're telling us again. Um, you know, that, that being said, again, like I personally don't have a problem with it. I could keep going, but yeah. um, but I can understand now why that's an issue for people. Um, you know, also the whole... The whole myth, not myth, but the aura of the legend uh, of Wyatt Earp um, may not quite be what the way he's actually been portrayed over the last, you know, 80 years, 90 years, something like that. Mm-hmm. He was uh, he actually had a pretty bad reputation <laughs> over uh, up until a, a biography was written about him in uh i think it was 1934 by stuart lake i think it was called white uh white frontier marshal um that was that was kind of what started creating the legend of Wyatt Earp and and maybe altering some of these stories but his reputation <clears throat> prior to that was really based on a lot of the negative things that he was involved with and his you know early crime related days and his um you know potentially some you know gambling things he was involved with and and brothels that he was involved with which you know that is kind of really pushed uh de-emphasized in this movie you see a little bit of it yeah um when he's down and out but uh you know for the most part that's kind of pushed aside for this epic lawman yeah well and i don't think the movie's trying to paint him as someone who is so inherently good uh, like which is which is good like uh, they're not trying to change him they're just yeah like you said a de-em- sure. a de-emphasis um or an emphasis on on other things that cuz like and it's funny though cuz when i was a kid and again i was not into westerns and cowboys and gunfights and stuff like that um i think my thoughts like if you were like oh Wyatt Earp and Doc Holliday i think i'd always be like i think they're bad guys like they're kind of bad guys yeah. But me too. I thought I always thought Doc Holliday was a bad guy. But like, in terms, but Which he was. But in, <laughs> but in relative terms to like the criminals they're hunting down or whatever, and all these gangs, mm-hmm. they they kind of are the good guys in a sense. But no, like you know, yeah. they're still and like when you're a kid and it's just like, well, these are these are guys that killed other people because of the laws of the you know the lawlessness of the West. Yeah, sort of allowed these murders to happen you know things were settled with such violence and stuff so i'm just like i probably was just like that's like what bad guys do like they kill each other <laughs> you know they kill other people so um i probably would have but like i think it was like Wyatt Earp's Wyatt Earp is kind of a bad guy doc holly is more of a bad guy billy the kids was definitely a bad guy like you know <laughs> but then it's like yeah they're known for killing these like these 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 nemeses and these criminals and yeah all that so i'm like i guess worse bad guys to be yeah to be to be someone who lived in the the west um is to have a complicated life <laughs> if you're well, yeah i mean it was it, it was hard i mean it was the move west was you know there was 
tons of out like <laughs> there were tons of outlaws and it was brutal living it was extremely difficult and there wasn't really uh law enforcement they were kind of created as they went along and um you know a lot of guys were former criminals who uh ended up just you know now they're getting paid to enforce the law and and they're not necessarily any better for it but um you know they're just now sort of more they have a badge behind them yeah. and and <clears throat> and why it was one of those guys like he wasn't it wasn't black and white like it was when when we were kids and we were growing up and it was good guys versus bad guys and and cowboys versus indians like that it's was obviously way more complicated and complex than that yeah yeah <laughs> and uh and and i think this movie does a good portrait of that of you know, and and Doc Holliday like was uh, quote unquote a bad guy up until really he connected with Wyatt and sort of morphed onto the other side of the law uh, strictly because he was helping him. He was still killing people. He was just killing the you know worse thieves and worse murderers than he, than him. Yeah, 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 yeah. So. Yeah, there's no white hats and black hats in in this story. No, it's not. It's, no. it's not the. It's not that Saturday afternoon matinee in the fifties for children to go see like the Lone Ranger or whatever. You know? Yeah, stuff yeah. like that. So, um, which. But I, I get where I I get where Costner like wanted you to understand how Wyatt got to that point too. Yeah, and you didn't. You're not. You're not really doing those kind of dives into these these western characters right like you're not telling the mm-hmm. the story you know f- finding out why a person is how, how they are you know these moments in their life that can be interesting and like that is what was he, he chose to do for Wyatt um yeah I think and I I think it's a I think it's, and it's an ambitious thing to do I think I and for me I, I'll be honest I enjoyed this movie quite a bit uh and I, I, my, my only complaint is like maybe it's just a little too long and a little too mm-hmm. much going on. But overall, like, I wasn't bored with it, really. I mean, I, no, I wasn't bored with it. I was just sort of like, I kind of wanted things to kind of get rolling a little bit faster. Or, yeah. Um. But yeah, I think I think it's a worthy ex- exploration of a character of that era, and certainly for me, like, like something like a young guns I was which I'm not a fan of like I I appreciate like sort of taking the like these legendary char- characters or well people legendary people and trying to humanize them mm-hmm. um free of like judgment I don't think it's I don't think it's about like trying to frame him in a way that is like oh my god Wyatt Earp is this amazing guy it's just no this is just the story of this guy who Right, you know, uh, which I appreciate. You know, there's heroics, there's flaws, yeah. there's problems, there's great sins, <laughs> um, you know, and trying to do it justice without making it like a a spectacle. Um, I think that works for me. That that's worth. Yeah, for me, that's that's what catches my attention. Yeah, you know, um, ju- just uh, I want to just switch gears back to uh, I want to talk a little bit about Tombstone. Um, yeah. So basically it becomes a race to make these competing Wyatt Earp movies and Costner who, you know, throughout like 1992 and 93 
So Costner ends up blocking, you know, with his behind-the-scenes power, he blocks every studio from picking up the Tombstone script except Disney. Disney's the one uh, studio he didn't quite have enough leverage with to get them to say no. So uh, Buena Vista Entertainment is the, or Buena Vista Pictures is uh, the one avenue Tombstone has to go. So they're kind of stuck with, like the movie that Buena Vista wants to make is kind of what they have to do or, or just walk away from the project entirely mm-hmm. while Costner, you know, has much more clout and carte blanche about the ver- the movie that he wants to make. Um, so Kevin Jarre, you know, goes through Tombstone and, and we'll eventually have to cover that movie as well because it's really interesting because he starts the movie and ends up getting fired after like a couple of days directing on it. And Kurt Russell, who's near and dear to our hearts, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, ends up kind of unofficially directing Tombstone, even though they did bring in another director, George P. Cosmatos, to kind of, you know, sit in the chair. Mm -hmm. And if you talk to Kurt Russell, he he will go on and on about how, uh, you know, George really kind of was doing what what Kurt wanted him to do and did the shots that Kurt would set up. And, um, yeah, really interesting story there. So that, that had its own drama in that movie. But they uh, – and, of course, you know, Tombstone, not only as Kurt, it's got Michael Bean and Bill Paxton, mm-hmm. who uh, <laughs> I think we're going to be talking about Bill pretty soon. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so that's a, that's a, a triple threat in that movie. Um and they end up, you know, finishing it first and releasing it in December. I think it's December of 93. <clears throat> and this one comes out in June 94. Yeah. And I wa- and and Tombstone is a big hit. Ver- and I wonder if Tombstone hadn't have come out first, how that would have impacted this movie. If this movie would have been a bigger hit mm-hmm. and people would have latched back onto, you know, Costner's Dances with Wolves vibe. And uh, supported this one a little more. I, I mean, not that there's an answer to that question, but it's just, you know, food for thought. Yeah, it's an interesting exercise of just what if. Um, because, yeah, I mean, audiences like consume the thing and then kind of get tired of that thing. And for as, as many people that would be drawn to Tombstone, they probably got their fill uh and uh it could have could have stayed away even if even though it's Costner doing it still looks like a a copycat in a sense even though there's you know they're not really they're not copycatting you know that no one knows which one's going to be the bigger movie but it, you know it's all optics later on for audiences so mm-hmm. it looks like oh another well, yeah. one <laughs> okay so who Tomb- knows yeah but Tombstone took the whole Tombstone took the whole Hollywood I mean really Hollywood Approach. I mean, that is like yeah. a heavy, heavy Hollywood cliche movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, with big moments and big action and big stars, and it moves quickly, and, and you know, and uh, there's a lot happening at a fast pace in that in that movie, and it's con- con- you know going over a shorter period of time. Very different approach to this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think yeah, I think people did because people love Costner was still huge at this point. So it was a big surprise that he had this big of a failure. Um, you know, he was still riding pretty high and, uh, 
don't underestimate the power of Kurt and Bean and Paxton. That's that's <laughs> I guess that's all really it was. But <laughs> I guess so, yeah. No, but I think <laughs> I think people got their fill of the wider story and especially the glamorized version. Um <laughs> you know, you know, especially a lot of the dialogue. Uh they're like, you know, real Hollywood dialogue. Um Yeah. You know, I think that I don't think they were ready six months later to have a much slower, drawn out version of that same story being told. Yeah. And no matter how much you. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I think I think that's just interesting timing that could have changed everything. But, you know, coming out in the summer of 94, I mean, that's it's a tough summer, you know, um, with everything that's out. And yeah, it's coming out against. Like what? Lion King, Speed. What else was ninety four? Uh, let's see. The Mask. Mask was later on. You know, uh, The Gump, True Lies. Oh yeah, Forrest Gump. Yeah, Pulp Fiction. Yep. Um, Ed Wood. Yeah. True Lies. Yeah. The Client. Um. So you know it's yeah. It's, so it's hard. Lots to compete. So why see a movie that you kind of just saw, even though it's a completely different movie? when you have all those other options out there. Yeah. And they're big spectacle blockbuster type movies. Um, and, yeah. and it's the summer. It's like, let's, yeah, not, not more. But what are you going to do? It's like, <laughs> you're not going to like rush the movie and pull it up six months to, you know, put it out before tombstone. It like, I don't think it, I mean, they were still shooting up until December of 93. Yeah. So that wasn't even possible. It was like, well, Either you push the movie like the release like a year, <laughs> yeah. You know, push it into '95, and then you're competing against like Braveheart, mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> Which who would have known? But uh, or, or what do you do? You know. So I think they just rolled the dice and gambled on Costner's star status to carry the movie, and it you know it it didn't work. Yeah. Bummer, bummer, guys. We'll talk box office later. Yeah, yeah we'll talk box office later, but. Uh, uh, yeah, what? Um, well, let's see. What else? We should talk about the cast. I mean, the cast. A lot of people. The in cast this. is enormous, and I and I not that I don't want to not give people their due, but if we spend two <laughs> two minutes on each like name person, like we're gonna be here for half an hour just naming people. No, I'm just so we can. Well, we'll just talk about a few here. But we we talked about the women and um, you know Joe Beth Williams who uh, goes back with Kasdan to the Big Chill and Mayor Winningham as well mm-hmm. and I think a lot of these guys were in uh, Costner's you know group of friends and co-workers and I think you know he kind of handpicked them to be in the, in this movie mm-hmm. um, but yeah we were saying that I think they're you know they have a bigger role in this movie than Tombstone but they're not they're still like I don't know. There's still if it just to me it feels like there are other scenes with these women that got cut out. I mean, probably strictly for running time and pacing. Yeah. You know, then you're gonna have a four hour movie. Yeah, because they clearly are shown to like to be a, a, affected by an effect Wyatt specifically uh, more so than anybody. So it's, it'd be yeah, I'd be interested to see what else they may have been shooting together um, with these with these characters, these ladies. Yeah. I mean, Catherine O'Hara, like at this point in time, yeah, I knew nothing about her comedy life. Oh, really? All I knew was she's the mom from Home Alone, mm. and now she's in Wyatt Earp. Oh, and Beetlejuice, and now she's in Wyatt Earp. Oh, that yeah. was the scope of her to me <laughs> until, 
it wasn't until I got to college when I saw Waiting for Guffman and I was like, oh, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. And she was on SCTV. I get it. The, the, so those movies were like the kind of different part of her career, not the main part of her career. Yeah. It was like the side note. <laughs> well, it's fun. Yeah. This, I, I honestly didn't know she was in this until I was like looking at the cast before. seeing. I'm like, Catherine O'Hara is in this? Like comedian yeah. genius. Plus, I've been watching a lot of Schitt's Creek, uh, that, that, the, the yeah. show with yeah, Eugene Levy. Too. And uh, and I just love her comedy so much. So it was just like, I forgot, you know, I forgot she would, I didn't know she did a movie like this like, at all. It's so, it's so weird to see her not doing like improv style comedy. Yeah. Or, or, or yeah, improv style or, you know, larger than life characters. I mean, I think she, she, her, her skill in her comedy is to be so like, kind of out there I think a little bit and make interesting choices and like this is very like a subdued just dramatic role uh, for her um, that I wish I I wish I had seen more of her like you know what we got wasn't enough for me <laughs> I think oh yeah totally I mean yeah. I think that's true yeah. for that's true for a lot of the characters let alone the women like because you've got your Isabella Rossellini in there <laughs> you've got yeah. uh, um Joanna going though she's 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 a nice she's a nice addition to the to the the movie halfway through mm-hmm. um yeah I mean they, Annabeth Gish I really like her performance as Eurilla in the beginning yeah his first wife um yeah she was she was great she so um yeah we there's so many people uh in this gosh darn movie <laughs> yeah but at least in this one versus Tombstone, like you get their you get the women's perspective a little bit that like mm-hmm. they are not on board with all of this stuff that that why it is, you know, or the way it's depicted in this is that why it's kind of making them move around and try new things and get involved in these the mining uh, investments and, uh, you know, that they're not uh, happy about that and, and they hold it against him. Yeah. Whereas in Tombstone, you don't really get that at all like you don't get any scenes with the women right yeah how are they affected by anything you would never know right you don't know yeah so uh and you know of course why it's doing all this to he's sort of aping his father who you know he sort of monologues to us in the audience about you know can't stay in one place always moving lots of opportunities mm-hmm. so like it was just like here's the blueprint for why why it is the way he is for the rest of the film uh, right, you know that that was that was Gene Hackman's job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so totally, yeah. Which, he he just echoes, uh, you know, Gene Hackman who plays Nicholas Earp, uh, yeah. his sentiments like throughout the rest of the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then Wyatt's got a lot of brothers and friends. <laughs> He's got a lot of brothers, <laughs> and he had even more in real life that they they did kind of shrink that down a little bit. Uh-huh. Um, of course, you know, uh, to just to condense his real life, like they did merge a few characters in this movie mm-hmm. and, you know, switch a few things up. Like Virgil really wasn't too in the picture until they moved to Tombstone. Whereas in this, like you do see him in Dodge City and, mm-hmm. um, you know, Virgil was really the marshal uh, who is in charge of the situation at the OK Corral. It wasn't it wasn't Wyatt. No, that's. I mean, that is portrayed more accurately in this movie, but it was even more so in real life. Like, it was really, it was really Virgil was the lead on it. Gotcha. But, yeah. Uh, history tells a little, little different. A little story, different. But, so there are some liberties with but the, the, the facts, but 
it's 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 still more accurate than anything else you've seen. Yeah, on film. Right? Um, I uh, you know we talked about this uh, way back in our Reservoir Dogs episode, but I'm a huge uh, Michael Madsen fan, especially in this time period. So yeah, uh, I I love seeing him here as Virgil Earp, and uh, I think I think he's great. Yeah, yeah, he does a really great job in this. Uh, great, like understated performance uh, for him, <laughs> I think. Yeah, which is rare because you look at the rest of his career and he's playing, you know, crazy maniacs and, yeah. you know, just uh, I think that was part of his, you know, post Reservoir Dogs is is that's kind of what he got almost cornered into yeah. what kind of roles. And then I think he had some personal issues, too, but uh, which affected his career later on. But um, this was a nice, you know, kind of Virgil's kind of a sweet character. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's, he's the. The older brother, he's one of the older brothers he looks up to and 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 comes with him on, on his his life adventures. Uh, in a sense. Yeah, him, yeah. him and James, uh, James played by, who played James? Was that David, David Andrews? Andrews? Yeah. Yeah, um, great character actor who's been in like a million things. Yeah, so they, they, they compliment him well. And then, you know, and this is one of those epic movies. We've got James Madsen, uh, James Madsen and uh, Tom Sizemore sharing the screen yes which yeah they're this basically so. the same guy and the, and they're in this movie together it's it's amazing <laughs> there was a period of time when i was deep in my tarantino love mm-hmm. in like 96 97 that i really wanted a movie that starred michael madsen michael bean chris penn and tom sizemore <laughs> who were like this this you know break the rules you know yeah this uh, foursome of cops who would just go rogue and take care of business. <laughs> the all, and all, that was my dream cast. And all four of those guys are the same person. It's amazing. Maybe less so for Bean. Bean's like the the one who's who's maybe I, for me stands out as different. Yeah, but yeah. but I love all those actors. I think they're they're great. Yeah. Um, Bill well, Sizemore is like kind of in the Tarantino world with you know with Natural Born Killers and True Romance a little bit. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he, um, he's yeah. Uh, and then uh, who else? We had uh, Bill Pullman. Bill Pullman. Bill Pullman. So we didn't we didn't get a Paxton, but we got a Pullman. We didn't. Uh, right. We get one or the other. <laughs> it's always the way. It's a Paxton or a Pullman. <laughs> and, yeah. You toss a coin, and you got Paxton and Tombstone and Pullman here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Pullman and and Sizemore are both you know also kind of understated and quiet, and Sizemore also. Like you said, is very similar to Madsen and plays very over the top characters, and as is his real life persona. But uh, here he's very, you know, very quiet and subdued. Yeah, well, they work well together. I th- and it's funny, it's like it feels like all these guys are a little more quiet. So then when things erupt with the, and or when they erupt, you know, with it getting loud and getting violent or whatever, it it shows you like I think it shocks you a little bit like when. You know, mm-hmm. just when Wyatt's like screaming and screaming, I'm wider and shoots his gun, and it's like, oh, this is yeah. he's not he's not messing around. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then, like, but I liked uh, Bill Pullman, Tom Sizemore as the the Masterson the Masterson boys. Um, yep, teaming yep. up together. So it was, uh, and then what? Uh, Lyndon Ashby. 
Morgan Earp? Lyndon Ashby, who's... Okay, so I think you and I both have a lot of love for Lyndon Ashby love. for different reasons. Oh, definitely different reasons, So yeah. <laughs> my main reason I love Lyndon Ashby because... Well, first, I like him in this movie, and this is one of his bigger movies. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, he did, uh, he's gone on to a big career of a lot of TV and, you know, kind of C-level action movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but... He is also in uh, the pilot episode of a little show called Werewolf mm. that we have discussed before. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is, mm-hmm. spoiler alert, victim number two in the opening scene <laughs> of the show. And he's fantastic in it. It's him and Gail O'Grady. Mm-hmm. And they both would go on to, you know, bigger careers. But uh, oh, that's great. So, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, <laughs> Um, I've got that connection with him, but why do you love Lyndon Ashby? Because he played Johnny Cage in the Mortal Kombat movie. <laughs> right, that's it. That's, that's all. <laughs> Which I was need. what a year, a year, a year after this. Yeah, yeah, it came out yeah. in '95. Mortal Kombat still um, one of the greatest video game adaptations of all time. <laughs> Can we? I think uh, next, maybe next summer, let's cover Mortal Kombat. Let's get into that. Okay, I'm in. Yeah, love it. I just watched it. <laughs> couple months ago <laughs> that's great oh boy i got a lot of feelings about that movie Ooh, but anyway. they're all good they're, <laughs> yeah they're all um, very good uh yeah uh who the yeah and we got a lot of there, there's a lot of like just brief um you know glimpses of other actors there's you know james gammon who uh is in silver bullet and major league and he's mm-hmm. the you know the manager in major league mm-hmm. and or the coach in major league and uh mm-hmm. um lots of other small roles but we see him here again in just you know a brief role as urilla's father mm-hmm. uh but he's got that gravelly voice that you you can't forget yep um we've also got uh the mother from uh, the mother from Little House on the Prairie is James Gammon's wife. Oh, oh, wait, what's her name? Yeah, uh, so a little, yeah. Oh, Karen Grassle. Mm-hmm. Karen Grassle, yeah. And uh, yeah, so we see her again. Betty Buckley is uh, is White Earp's mother. That's mm-hmm. the wife of uh, of Nicholas Earp, Gene Hackman. Mm-hmm. Um, she was, you know, a, a big, especially a big kind of Broadway actress, but she's done big movies like Carrie as well, and. And, uh, you know, again, just a really small role here. But, um, Did your, uh, yeah, there's just Martin Cove. And then all the villains. Martin Cove. Yeah, one Martin, of the villains Martin Cove. Yeah. From your, yep. from your Rambos and your Karate Kids. Uh, yeah. Is it, and Cobra Kai. And, yeah. Oh, that's right. The Cobra Kai series, which I have not seen. I don't know if I'll ever get around to that. I think he's even got a few canon canon movies under his belt. I bet you he does. That would be cool. <laughs> Should we do a co- uh, a Covathon? <laughs> what do we think? Covathon. Um, uh, Tay Leone in there plays Tay Leone, like pre Bad Boys, even. Yeah, like so. This is like a nice, probably breakout role for her. Uh, mm-hmm. A young Jim Caviezel playing an Earp brother. Yeah, Warren Earp at the very end. Yeah, yeah, Warren Earp. Jesus Christ Himself is in this movie. It's amazing. Uh, <laughs> okay. uh, Mark Harmon. Mark Harmon playing Johnny. Johnny. Johnny Bean. Yeah. Johnny Bean. Bean. Uh, so another. He's a what a county sheriff or or is he? He's a bigger. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not marshal. He's a county marshal or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. No. He's the county sheriff. I think he was like. I think Wyatt and Virgil technically reported to him. Yeah. He's and it's the, more complex than that and they would these guys would change jobs very like within a few months so it's it's very hard to track like what the 
who was what where, but the the conflict between them, you know, I think this is an accurate portrayal of, you know, kind of uh, how Johnny B and did have some some dealings with the Cowboys and and it wasn't always legal and the herbs held that against him. And it was like, he, they were fighting kind of two battles. Yeah. But, uh, he's not but he's great in this as a smarmy, you know, <laughs> um, yeah, like he's, he's great. This is a, also pre NCIS Mark Harmon. Yeah. Post moonlighting pre NCIS. What was his big thing though? Back then summer school, right? Well, I love, yeah. Him in summer school, him and Kirstie Alley. What a what a team! And that, <laughs> yeah, and that Ted Bundy movie, like TV movie in the early eighties. Oh, I think that's what that kind one. of put him on the map. Yeah. But, so yeah, not, um, kind of a, a foil to to the Earps. Uh, and then yeah, those other bad guys, Adam Baldwin as one of the McLaurys. Yeah, uh, Jane, Jane from Firefly. Firefly. And then of course your guy, and well my guy too now, Rex Lynn. As uh, Rex Lynn, Lynn yeah, so, <laughs> love. Yeah. We talked about Rex way back in our cliffhanger episode. We from, sure uh, did. Season two. Yeah. We sure as shit did. <laughs> uh, um, man. See? Yeah. Huge and, guys. And who else? There's uh, oh, Jeff Fahey's the other one. Oh, and Jeff Fahey. Jeff Fahey. Jeff Fahey is the, uh, the IQ. Lawnmower man's own Jeff Fahey. <laughs> uh, you can't go wrong with a Fahey, I think. Uh, oh, no. Yeah. No. Um, and then finally, uh, Kirk Fox as Pete Spence. Big fan of Kirk Fox when he shows up. <laughs> of <stuff>. course. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A lot of the, but, the, but there's a lot of those recognizable faces throughout yeah. this. Um, yeah. you know, uh, even a, a brief role towards the end. Sure. Sure. McMasters is played by Todd Allen. Who's great in a, a little horror movie called Witchboard, which you and I, and probably Brent will look at at some point. Okay. A lot of fun with mm-hmm. that one. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, but there's there, there's just this movie is just crawling with with recognizable faces and some names uh, bigger than others. But it's a just I guess that goes along with when you have an epic movie, you have to have this huge, enormous cast. And uh, I think I, I don't really feel like anybody. Um, I, I think they all did really well with their characters. I, I you know, buy what they're selling. Yeah, well, I think we're reserving kind of maybe the best for last, though. I mean, Dennis Quaid as Doc Holliday is yeah. one hell of one hell of a character. I mean, yeah, he is. Uh, this is a joy. I, I think, and even haters of this movie, I think will will say, you know, this performance mm-hmm. is one of his best performances. Absol- I mean, absolutely. clearly he put a lot into this character. Yeah, he did a fantastic job. Big. Uh, Big ups to him. I mean, he really, like, brings another, like, I don't know, another just level to the mo- the film um, with Doc Holliday. And he's such a joy to watch. Uh, and he's he's unlike anyone else in the film. Everyone everyone is these, you know, these understated guys who, do, who are doing their thing. And then there's Doc Holliday with his Georgian accent and his, and his just his attitude. Because yeah. he's... He's he definitely plays him like he will he won't wake up the next morning you know he plays him like yeah this is the end of his life and he's still there you know like and he monologues about well, and that he a dropped bit, you know? he dropped like forty pounds and really you know I, I think did more of a method approach to to this and this was a more uh, much more um, I don't know much deeper character than I think he'd been playing up to that point I mean he's 
Dennis Quaid had had a big career and yeah. uh, done a number of great movies up to this point, but this was the biggest, I think, reach for him. Yeah. And I, I think he did, he's amazing in it. And, and I'm not to say that Val Kilmer isn't, you know, great as yeah. Doc Holliday in Tombstone, but, you know, Kurt and, and Val in Tombstone are much more glamorized, uh, you know, feel like cleaned up Hollywood versions. And, and Costner and Quaid are much grittier and down to earth and feel more like real people. Yeah. Gritty. Yeah. No, you're right. Yeah. I'm with you Gritty, though. Real. Yeah. I mean, it, 70s. it feels like, you know, the, I think like tombstones a little cleaner, like a little more, I don't know. They're, they're shirt, their the shirts are whiter. They're like, they've got creases in their clothes. You know, they're like, yeah. they got the perfect hats. So, you know, this is a little, this is just down in the dirt muck. You know, a, a real kind of yeah. lived-in feel, a lived-in world um, to it. I mean, not to say that Tombstone is just is just like a stage play, like, like is pretending, but it, yeah, like there's a there's definitely a different uh, difference in tone and everything, and um, with with uh, a lot of that stuff. So yeah, Dennis Quaid, I think, like sort of like bringing the whole crew together. Him him is like him is why it's like best friend. Uh, they're, yeah. they're a perfect team together. He, it's such a great counterbalance. So, um, yeah, big fan. And one scene that they didn't show in the movie, you know, there was an incident or, or sto- the story goes that there was an incident which really instigated their friendship. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and uh, I believe it was either in Wichita or Dodge City uh, that there was a, you know, a... A situation with some some cowboys and and Wyatt Earp went to handle the situation and basically got guns like several guns drawn on him at once and he was on the would have been on the losing end of this battle and Doc Holliday was in the back of this I think it was in a you know a saloon and uh, supposedly Doc Holliday was in the back of the room and you know came to came to Wyatt's defense from behind these guys Whoa. and backed him up and helped subdue the situation. And that was really like the moment that Wyatt knew he could trust Doc and that's where they really became friends. The the, the scene in the movie where they meet for the first time, that happened as well. That's the first time they actually met each other. But the moment where they, um, you know, their friendship really blossomed was that other situation, which I don't know if they filmed it. I They could have filmed it, but uh, it's not in the movie either way. Mm. That sounds like a, a nice story. I'm I'm in, I'm kind of intrigued yeah. to read that that biography of him that kind of spawned this whole thing, the one that came out like right yeah, after his yeah. death that you mentioned earlier. Um, right, that was, and I I think like I think they kind of weaved that a little bit, and I know there were some you know now there's other situations that are known that that were you know left out of that book. You know there was there is a. There was a story where he, you know, Wyatt was at a restaurant and his gun fell out of his holster and went off and shot like a hole through this wall. And he had made sure that that story wasn't in just little things like that. Hmm. That, um, you know, he he was very into his own reputation. So and, and he had a chance to help construct that before he passed away. And then the book did come out after his death. But. Hmm. Oh, interesting. This I feel like started a real the real downward trend for Costner taking him out of that you know mega A level actor um, you know where, where that level that he was at because he had this and this was a failure 
and then Waterworld came out right pretty quickly after this, didn't it? I I want to say that's true. I just don't remember the exact time frame. I, it was it was within a year. I, it was either uh, like six or eight months after this, something like that. But yeah. but uh, you know, and that was a big miss. And then a few years later, the Postman came out, which was what ninety seven or ninety eight, yeah. and that was a big miss. And it was just like boom, 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 all these big budget movies that Costner's behind that should be should be hitting none of them are hitting yeah well um, the yeah the big thing the big joke of Waterworld was it just it cost so much money it was just this big bloated thing and flopped locally I think it did well overseas but it was yeah I think so yeah but like but that and the postman I remember them being punchlines uh as movies and then sort of and then kind of that makes him the punchline um so yeah I, mm-hmm. absolutely i think you're 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 hitting on stuff uh, where things are things are taking the downturn um yeah and then and by the by the 2000s like you know he's coming out with movies like three thousand miles to graceland and uh, you know uh, oh i forgot the name of the one where he's a serial killer it's just like mr brooks his career had gone well oh yeah mr brooks yeah like <laughs> yeah in a in a wildly different direction that only now I think what did it start with the uh, the Superman movie Man of Steel where it started to kind of circle back around and now that he's a bit older mm-hmm. and um uh you, you know he's getting these uh, he's at a different point in his career where he's not playing the young action star or the the lead character he's playing yeah. better supporting roles um and I th- so I think we're seeing it come back around. And then he's also gone and done some of those miniseries. He did the Hatfields and McCoy uh, miniseries, which was... Oh, right. Uh, I, I, I was pretty good. I had some issues with it, but I think it was more like the TV version of the epic that he, he wanted to tell here. Oh, I see. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, he's he's more of like the yeah, wiser supporting character, you know, the older, wiser figure. He shows up in Molly's yeah, game. Hidden Figures was another one. Um, yeah, Hidden Figures. He shows up in Molly's game um, as the the mm-hmm. father to uh, Jessica Chastain's uh, character, um, and then right. he's basically in one. I think he, I think he's in a couple scenes, but every one is profound. Um, or maybe it's just the one scene. I don't remember. I like the movie a lot though, and I liked him in it. Um, but yeah, and I think I think people are more drawn to him. Like so, yeah, he was in the Superman movies playing, you know, Superman's dad. So you know, there's that's a that's that's a that's a wholesome, wise character kind of thing. So yeah, I mean, I yeah. think people people are drawn to that um, kind of thing. I don't know. It's I think you're right. I think he's in this like very different phase that really works for him. Um, yeah, and I think you know, I think he's. Um, at that point where nostalgia is helping him a little bit and he's had he did have such a long run of good movies mm-hmm. that people are like oh yeah Kevin Costner he Costner's great it's you know Field of Dreams and Untouchables and uh you know they're remembering all the good stuff and they're you know f- forget about Waterworld and the Postman and all those other ones yeah well yeah it was an embar- yeah. it was an embarrassment of, of riches for him with Dances with Wolves Robin Hood JFK and Bodyguard, the bodyguard, all coming on that little span, yep. 
after already having oh, yeah. huge movies, like, you know, and then leading into... Oh, yeah, that's um, after, you know, No Way Out and Field of Dreams and Untouchables and yeah. uh, Revenge and... <laughs> God, just so much. Yeah, I mean, wow, yeah, he's he's really it. <laughs> Kevin Costner's it. Um, yeah. So, I think... I think I want more Costner. I think I want to. I might watch another Costner movie. You're ready. Like, I can't, I, <laughs> there's so many. I've never actually seen The Postman. I'm curious. I'm, or Waterworld. Yeah. I'm curious. <laughs> Before we get into the box office and and kind of on a numbers level comparing this with Tombstone, mm-hmm. um, I do just want to go back that how you know, how accurate they they were. They were. I think they were as accurate as you really could be. Um, to Wyatt and then his life and the other characters and over you know there have been so many portrayals of Wyatt Earp in in TV and film uh, over the course of the you know the 20th century that there was you know he was really glamorized especially in the early days and you know you've got the uh, My Darling Clementine where where he's played by Henry Fonda and and there's a whole TV series the um the Life and Legend of Wyatt Earp and the Gunfight at the OK Corral, which we haven't even talked about, the OK Corral, uh, which was Burt Lancaster and Kirk Douglas, and that was a, you know, one of the the those early westerns, not early, but uh, you know that period of westerns was very grandiose in the John Wayne style. Um, it was, you know, not uh, these characters were much, very much embracing the mythical status and not the real person that Wyatt Earp was Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so uh, you know this was really and even Tombstone kind of takes that portrayal partially uh, but this one is really the first like real look at him and who he was and what made him that way Hmm. Um, and it's funny later on there'd be a a low budget movie called Wyatt Earp's Revenge that was released where Val Kilmer plays Wyatt Earp what (laughs) (laughs) that's cool (laughs) Is it the uh, and let's let's talk about gun, the gunfight at the OK Corral though? Okay. Uh, again, this is you know they went through painstaking detail to get this you know moment to moment what really happened mm-hmm. uh, by all accounts at the at the OK Corral. You know, in some of those other movies, uh, you know, first of all, the the gunfight at the OK Corral didn't even happen at the OK Corral. Right. Right. <laughs> It's not like that. I don't even know where that came from, but it, it actually takes place, um, uh, you know, at this sort of, you know, this open area next to CS flies, which was a, um, uh, which was a, like, was, yeah, it was, yeah, it was right. It was some kind of business. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This like side alleyway. Um, It wasn't like, it wasn't your spaghetti Western, like emptied out street. You know, dueling. It was a boarding house. CS Flies was a boarding oh, house. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess, yeah. Um, so it's, yeah, definitely not a, a glamorized look at this thing. Like, they they definitely went for accuracy rather than, you know, s- s- being cinematic about it. <laughs> right. Which maybe was its fault. I mean, I found the gunfight to be entertaining. I, I felt the way they cut it together had momentum and it was the you know that wh- while they're walking you know they're kind of marching down the street that it, I, I felt like the tension was building and uh but they did get as far as you know who shot what shots mm-hmm. uh, you know the the sequence of events was um the most accurate portrayal 
And it was true. Like, by all accounts, Wyatt Earp was the last man standing, the only man standing in that fight and uh, was never hit by a bullet. Yeah. Yeah, the, everyone, I was reading about it later, like everyone who's shown to be shot and killed or ran um, was portrayed accurately as, as mm-hmm. per the accounts. Because, you know, there, well, because there's a whole aftermath to it. Like, that's the thing. Like, this is not just about the OK Corral. Like, I don't even think it has anything. This is a, this is Wyatt Earp's movie. So this is just right. one of the many stories that is part of him. But it's the most widely, yeah. you know, retold maybe of of a Western. He's sort of the, he's the first, you know, kind of hero of the, the West or whatever, I, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. um, so this is just another. Yeah, story. and this was. Right. Then this was, uh, you know, this was, you know, comparing it to the Godfather. It's like the issue between the Earps and the Cowboys was like the issue between uh, the Corleones and Salazzo and the Tatalia family. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there was it was intended to have that conflict and, and that, you know, then Wyatt goes on his revenge ride afterwards. Yeah. And uh, which, again, was accurate in this movie. There was who he hunted down and how he got them and um they filmed the the scene where Wyatt shoots uh, Curly Bill Brocious mm-hmm. uh, in this movie was filmed in a place called Tent Rock in uh, New Mexico, kind of halfway between Santa Fe and Albuquerque. Mm-hmm. And little little trivia, that was the place where I worked on my very first film project in uh, back at the College of Santa Fe. Oh, RIP. it's it was that uh, John Diner Cowboy Hero. Was that the is that what the, no, that was John Diner just PA helping somebody else's weird artsy movie. Oh, I, I thought maybe it was a, a script you had written and directed where you were a cowboy hero. No. It wasn't there yet, but I did try and find that spot where they shot those uh, scenes, and I'm, I'm pretty sure I did. So oh, neat. I was finding it on my own, but yeah. Uh, so that was cool. But um, yeah, so uh, yeah, I, I, I think the version of the gunfight in tombstone adds a little more flair to it and there's uh everybody loves it's flair. A, again like the whole movie it's a little more hollywood mm-hmm. and thus people are going to lean towards that but i did appreciate the accuracy on on this all really all over the movie didn't tombstone have like gasoline barrels that exploded <laughs> it was like no, no. huge gunfight there was a tank i don't know i don't know where they got all that stuff but it's got like this nice, like zoom in close up into Kurt Russell's eyes, which are beautiful. But of course. they zoom in on his eyes, and he goes, "Oh my god!" And then the gunfight starts. <laughs> <laughs> which I saw. I watched the Tombstone trailer today just for for kicks, and yeah, that that's part of the trailer. And it's got yeah, it's got you know movie voice guy and you know it's oh yeah in the in a world <laughs> where where, yep. where there are heroes and outlaws one man yeah. uh so funny <laughs> it's so funny yeah i didn't watch the trailer but, for wire so I, I have to see the difference oh there. that's the complete epic trailer yeah you know it, it, it's very it's got the ennio morricone score actually over it not the james newton howard score it's a you know it's different for the trailer but uh, you can it, it really looks like dances with wolves yeah. it's 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 um you get the scope of it in the trailer and the trailer's like three and a half minutes i think it's it's long <laughs> three and a half minutes i love it yeah. <laughs> um 
But yeah, so let's talk a little uh, box office, shall we? You want to do a little comparison to see how these movies did? I'd love to. So, all right. Uh, Wyatt Earp has a production budget of $63 million. Tombstone had a budget of $25 million. Mm. Opening weekend. So Tombstone comes out December 93. White Earp comes out uh, June 24th, 1994. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tombstone has an $8.7 million opening weekend. So for a 20, you know, it's made, what, a uh, third of its budget back, basically. Yeah. White Earp has a $7.5 million opening. Ooh. So Not good. Not good. Not with that. And it opens at number four. (laughs) What did it get released against? Nothing. It was the only new release that week, but um, mm. you know, Lion King was number one, Speed was number two, mm. uh, Wolf was number three, and Wolf was in week two. Mm. Uh, so it came out kind of right behind that one, and uh, you know, behind it was the Flintstones movie, which made a lot of money. It's I, yeah, I'm not a big fan of, but that was in week five uh, behind Wyatt Earp. Yeah. So. It was really kind of dead in the water, um, and it only made grand total. It made about twenty five million in its entire run, yeah. so it, it lost quite a bit of money. Um, the domestic run for Tombstone was fifty six point five, uh, so Tombstone doubled their money, whereas Wyatt Earp lost, you know, at least half. Oh yeah, at least I th- yeah, with that kind of oh more, you know, yeah. You know. But, and you know, and and I think the running time doesn't help because that's just less screens, you know, less viewings per day. It's um, right, exactly. So you, you don't you don't have enough chances to make as much money on on ticket sales. So and not to say that there were like sold out shows and stuff, but you know, just less opportunity to see it um, could affect it. Like running time is kind of important, especially in the summer. Um, yeah, absolutely. That's definitely a strategic thing when when studios are releasing these films. They, you know, the running time is important. A three hour movie or a three hour plus movie, like you are not going to have as many uh, screenings every day. Yeah. And you know, Tombstone. I mean, Tombstone's long too, but I think it's right around two hours, which is your standard length. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Well, that's that. Yeah. Every every two showings of Wyatt Earp is three showings of tombstone you know and right in that and as far as the math works out right is, yeah. is that right yeah that's right so not that again but like again but i think it the reviews were sort of middling right it was people were a little hard yeah. on this thing from the get-go no they were very very hard on it they, they seemed to give a, a lot of love for dennis quaid he seemed to um you know, uh, nobody really had issues with him. Yeah. Uh, they did appreciate the cinematography and the production design and the technical aspects of that. And it was nominated for an Oscar for cinematography. Mm. Um, and that wasn't disputed. It was really the length, the pacing, the too much of everything and not enough. Uh, you know, the Costner plays Wyatt Earp very deadpan because that's how Wyatt Earp was Mm -hmm. you know there's not a lot of emotional reaction and excitement coming from Wyatt yeah (laughs) Um, and I think you know the critics really really just didn't jive with that with his portrayal of the character I think they were much more into the glamorized version like most people were yeah hey when you got a 
when you got a Kurt Russell telling you how to swagger as Wyatt Earp, do you really want to see Costner do it that differently? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe you don't. It's funny because, you know, with this, what, what, what was going on behind the scenes to get these movies made, you know, Costner was kind of on top of the world at this point and really put the screws to Tombstone. And they were sort of the underdog and came out at least financially and street cred, you know, really um, came out ahead. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I've read interviews with Kurt where he talks about it and he he had nothing but respect for Costner and, and knew he was just kind of playing the game and, and that's kind of what you do in Hollywood. And he didn't, didn't hold it against him. And then obviously later on down the road, they would do 3000 miles to Graceland together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wyatt Earp ends up all the way at number 58 for the year for 1994. Mm. So way deep down there. I mean, it's, it's between my father, the hero and quiz show. Yikes. Quiz show. Yikes. Quiz show. That was a good one. <laughs> quiz show's a quiz show's a great movie. It's just it's a it's a um it was more of I mean it was more of like an indie movie and not a major, major release. Sure, so sure. I think that's why it's financially it was down there. But that was nominated for Oscars and Oh yeah. Um yeah, I bet ninety four was a, a big year. There's a lot of, you know, great movies out that year and um and this just wider just kinda got lost in the shuffle. And, uh, you know, I'm sure that was a big, a big hit on Costner, but he would continue to put out great Westerns through the years. I don't know if you've seen Open Range, but that is, it's another classic uh, Costner Western, him and Robert Duvall. Really fantastic movie. Not three hours. Um, (laughs) It's a solid one. Right. Yeah. No, I missed that one. Uh, No surprise there. But, uh, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Yeah. yeah, big year, big year for movie. It's funny though. You think back in like 1994, you know, like there weren't. It's not like today. Well, you know, it's not like the the number of screens and and everything as accessible. I mean, there's still. I think there were movies were still being released on like 2,000 screens and stuff like that. But now today, it's you have over 3,000, over 4,000 screens on films and stuff like that, and only mm-hmm. 12 movies made over 100 million and. 94 which i think is actually kind of a bump than usual more of a bump than usual mm-hmm. um but they as we keep going more and more movies you know ha, have inflated like the, the number of movies now that make over 100 million in a year uh you know up through 2019 uh, the number just kept staggering uh getting higher and mm-hmm. higher so to to, yeah. to finish so low but you know, only fifty eighth in in the year isn't too bad. I mean, but, but nothing. <laughs> yeah, it's not good. But though. there's not a lot. I mean, especially yeah, especially what it's supposed to be—a big studio epic with a humongous budget that didn't even make half its money back. Yeah, it's, right. that's a disappointment. Yeah, yeah, uh, and obviously, you know, the disappointments would continue for Costner. But you know, now looking looking back on the movie. Um, I I still love it. I really do. I, I enjoy the movie. I you know, you do have to know what you're getting into that that it's a long movie. Mm-hmm. It's um I think that was there an intermission? You watched it on what? On on what? Netflix and I watched the DVD. So it stops like uh, and you have to like switch discs. So oh, really? There's a breaking point. <laughs> oh, I see. Okay. No, they can they Yeah, um, but I, the streaming services you can watch the whole movie at once. <laughs> 
<laughs> there's no right. There's no part two. I couldn't remember if there was an intermission like built into it or not. Oh but, no, um, or it's at least cut out. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, but I, I really enjoy it. The performances are great. Mm-hmm. Again, I appreciate the accuracy. Um, I do think that there's, you know, there are, it, it, you know, what like we talked about, it builds to, uh, you know, it's peaks and valleys. It builds to big moments and then it releases and you come down, then it builds up again. And um, there are a lot of those. But I do, I, I think this is a, I think this is a good movie. I think it's gotten unjustly uh, you know kind of crapped on over the years and i don't think it's not a poorly made movie it's not a bad movie it's just long and it's not tombstone yeah i think i think people would i think it people are probably kinder about it today than than they probably were, were back then I, I i mean to say i think like i think history will be kinder to this movie than the initial reviews and everything i mean i think it it's 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 probably never going to have a resurgence or anything like that but right i think i mean i don't know the fact that i was really entertained by it surprised me <laughs> to be honest with you like yeah. uh you know despite my minor issues and, and but like no this is like this was really interesting to me i'm really inter- i think it's really well done um yeah and and it's a good you know portrait of a of a big character in american history and and yeah. um you know, so many of the other portrayals just have not been either accurate or great over the years. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, because like Wyatt Earp is part of the tapestry of American culture of the the, the pioneering times of the the, um, the expansion, the frontier, all of that. I mean, he's a he's truly like one of the American figures. You know, we're we're not that mm-hmm. old of a country. We don't really have. We only have so many, you know, figures in, of the American culture um, that uh, have lasting power. But everyone knows who. Everyone's heard of Wyatt Earp. I mean, everybody. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's just to this day. I mean, it's yeah. still just kind of a known character. Yeah. Um, so I mean, the fact that at least a project remains where you get a, a at least a, a very carefully and carefully done and kind of. Um, respectfully done, you know, biography of him. Um, mm-hmm. I think is a that's a testament to the 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 love people have for these kinds of these kinds of guys, uh, these kinds of cultural icons. Um, yeah, you know, so I I, I think that's a, a good service to him. So at the end of the day, if it's like looking back on those icons, at least you can say, well, the, but Wyatt Earp's with all these other movies, it's more than just the shootout of the OK Corral. Look at here's a here's a portrayal of him. Um, that was lovingly done. Um, so right. at least that will always exist. Let's talk Jack Burton's, which is funny oh, yeah. because our Jack Burton rating system is based on our love of Kurt Russell, right? Who <laughs> was <laughs> a problem for this movie? Let's say. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what do you think? What out of thirteen Jack Burtons? What do you give it? Thirteen Jack Burtons. I mean, I gotta say, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just riding high from having seen it for the show and just enjoying it. I mean, I'm like, I honestly, I think I might put it at like a 10 and a half, which is kind of high for me. Well, a lot of times 10 and a half, maybe 10.8. Yeah, nice. But I think, uh, yeah, no, for, for me, for entertainment value, for the, the ambition of it, um, for the level of engagement I had, um, and the story, the story itself, 
yeah, just everything kind of works for me. So, um, yeah, uh, yeah, ten. Let's say ten point eight for me. Okay, ten point eight. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go a solid eleven. Nice. Uh, I, you know, I've always loved this movie. I think it. I think it's a good movie. I think um, it just came out at a bad time, and Tombstone was really <laughs> a big problem for this movie, and people had that expectation going into it. Um, you know, I, I think if it, this had come out a different year uh, earlier or or a few years later, it might have done a lot better mm-hmm. and had gotten a lot more respect. But I think. I think it holds up really well. Um, the cast is great. Mm-hmm. It looks beautiful. Yeah, you have to be in for a three-plus-hour movie, but um, but that's what it is. I think, and there's there's more. The three-hour movie seems to be more of a common thing now, anyway. So, yeah, um, yeah I I love it. I, I think it's I think it works. Yeah, it, it ages very well um, for for what it is. I think, and like like I I think people. Anyone who comes to this movie today will be much kinder to it than people who who came at it when it originally came out. So, yeah, uh, kudos to that. And it's and the legacy yeah. it leaves behind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, pretty cool. So, yeah, if uh, if you haven't seen it and you're you're a, a fan of westerns and and uh, and Kevin Costner, definitely give it a shot. Uh, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. Um, yeah, yeah. And it's what available on Netflix right now? N- n- no, not no, it is not. <laughs> oh, it might be it when was. this episode comes out. I don't know. It's not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, I think it, it was. It was a while ago. I guess it it just uh, left. Yeah, maybe. it's it's one of those things where it's there and then the the calendar flips and then it's not there. Um, right. So, but all good on that front. So keep your eyes out yeah. whenever you listen to this. It might be on one of your favorite streaming services or not. Uh, or, you know, go rent it uh, in person at your local video store. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for us, it's Videotech and hopefully soon it's Vidiots. But, uh, you know, wherever I know, you know, up in up in uh, what is it? Portland, where there's the last blockbuster. Right. All oh, right. Yeah. Or Portland area. Somewhere yeah. in Oregon. Right. Somewhere. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So check it out there. And uh you know, David, something I want to come back to about our show in general. Oh, okay. You know what? You know what this episode is? Uh, I don't. It's our this this episode is the conclusion of year two for Reconsinimation. Oh wow! The calendar year two. Yeah, we we, yeah. we started in mid June, uh, two years ago. Yeah, yeah. Well, towards the end of June. So this is oh, yeah. uh, this will be. This will is our season finale uh, for season two. Wow! Uh, with a big epic film. Look at us. And uh, yeah, we're we are going to be back uh, next time to kick off season three with something uh, I know you guys are going to dig. So uh, you know, make sure you stay tuned for that. And we want to say thank you to everybody for supporting us for our first uh, two seasons and. Um, you know, we've, it's been quite an interesting ride and a lot of fun. I don't worry. I cut out all the times that, uh, we argue and David threatens to kill me. Yeah. I'm glad you, I mean, you have to do that almost every single episode. That's every episode. (laughs) So, um, so thank you for doing that and, and keeping my reputation intact. We're just, we're just having fun. Let's just keep having fun together. This is congratulations. Two years. This is great. Yeah. We got, uh, 
We got a good lineup uh, as we head into year three. I think it's going to be a fun rest of the summer and, um, you know, into the fall. And we're trying to, uh, you know, I don't know if you guys have noticed or not, but we have increased our output uh, recently. And, and hopefully we can keep up with that. We're going to try and keep uh, three episodes out a month as long as we can. And, uh, you know, at some point we may have to shift back down to two episodes but we'll see we'll just we'll play it by ear so um yeah uh, thank you guys for hanging with us for that like usual uh we should thank our friends uh curtis moore for the poster uh i i really enjoy (laughs) looking back at a lot of these posters they're they're they just crack me up and uh (laughs) i think curtis has done some amazing things for us yes uh so thank you to him and of course ek wimmer for the theme song um we we love uh, EK and mm-hmm. I think he's going to be back. We're we're batting around some ideas about what uh, what he's uh, what, what we can kind of get into together. Um, we'd love to have him come back on the show. That'd be great. He's a he's a, a, a friend of the show and a great uh, friend of yours and uh, and really it was a real joy to have him on the show when he was here. So yeah, I'd like yeah. to have him back soon. And like always, yeah, like always, check out his podcast, Laser Graves. Uh, he's had some some fun things on there. The Apple, which was another canon film, and uh, mm-hmm. the Howling. I think the Howling Three was uh, on recently. But he's yeah got some great episodes. So check that out. Yeah. And uh, like usual, you know, check us out on wherever you listen to your podcasts: Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher. Uh, you know what google play music i don't know wherever if it, <laughs> wherever you get those wherever you get them if there's a rating system involved with any of those systems uh click a thumbs up or a five star or something to support um we appreciate uh, having you download the downloads are, are great and uh anything you can do to keep our keep us uh, moving with a you know with the internet algorithms uh, that would be a big help but uh but in yeah. the meantime just uh, thanks for thanks for staying staying with us yeah, and you can always check us out, of course, at www.reconsideration.com. You can check out our archives and all of our episodes from seasons one and two. A lot of great ones in there and a lot of fun doing it. And I look forward to doing it with you, David, uh, as we start year three. Me too. Happy anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, happy anniversary. All right, guys, we'll see you next time. Uh, don't forget, check out White Earp if you haven't seen it. Uh, I highly recommend it. <laughs> And uh, we'll, yeah, don't forget, we'll, guys. Uh, we're going to ride off. David and I are going to ride off into the sunset now. So uh, okay. we'll see you next time on Reconcinimation. Bye now. <laughs> <laughs>